0: Welcome to It Is What It Is, the podcast, with me, Danielle Bridge. On our show, we catch up with guests to talk about all sorts of things, including our job, mental health, relationships, and basically everything that we humans experience as we navigate through life. On today's episode, we talk to Tom Nash about divorce. We talk about marriage counselling, infidelity, and how to divorce well. Welcome. Thank you very much for coming along to today's podcast here with me, Danielle Bridge. I want to find out kind of who you are. So can you please tell me what it is that you actually
1: do? Um, Well, most of the time I spend hours on end sitting in my um, lovely Zoom of Thrones chair, um, (laughs) coaching chair. Um, So I'm a specialist divorce, separation and family coach. Um, I suppose you kind of break that down. It's more around kind of relationship breakup coach because it doesn't necessarily mean that people are married or have children etc or necessarily have wider families um what i do in short in essence is quite varied it's dependent on the, the situation um but it's a whole host of things from helping people understand and then manage and cope with their emotions um whether that be the party the grief party through a separation or the leavey, as i call them um, or indeed even the lever personal time in the relationship um, and that can be anything from the obvious kind of angers and sadnesses, but also fears um, that they might have around finances, children, their life, their future, etc. Guilt is a huge one, resentment, all these different kind of negative emotions that, that impact us in this kind of roller coaster ride of emotions, if you like. Uh, through to things like rebuilding uh, competencies, self esteem, trying to help people rebuild them and get them to focus on themselves. Uh, a big part, and it comes up in lots of my notes for the, uh, the, our, our topics today, is around communication. Uh, so I work a lot with people's communication strategies, so helping them understand not just necessarily what they're projecting but also how that's perceived, um, helping people to learn to respond rather than react, um, teaching empathy as opposed to ego and things like that. Um, I do a lot of work as well in terms of, kind of uh, what I call future-proofing with clients as well, helping them... And that's where coaching is quite different to traditional talk therapies and counselling. Help them understand obstacles and situations that can come up further down the road that maybe haven't happened yet. It could be there's so many but it could be, I don't know, when you're when your ex meets someone new and they've also got children and they're creating a blended family and things like that. And it's it's all around helping people to understand the situation as it is, how how it could be, um, and evolve from that. So actually taking action, making change and then ultimately improving the situation for themselves, their partner, their children, how it impacts all of them.
0: That is absolutely amazing and you are the first divorce coach that I have ever met and I remember when we we met and I asked you what it is that you did and you said and I was like really? I mean you hear of marriage counsellors, you hear about everything is designed to try and keep people together or to navigate the waters of that relationship but I've never heard of somebody that's there to be able to support somebody should that go wrong or should that change or evolve and it's interesting because here um my my podcast my business is called enabling empowerment the reason I picked that was because it was about empowering people uh, to have autonomy over their own decisions autonomy over their own lives and to be involved in every aspect of that including all of the bad or what we perceive as being bad whereas I just I believe that they are just part and parcel, you know, the yin and the yang, the good, the bad, you know, the in-between, the the happy, the pain, all of that stuff. And so to see that you actually work with people and help navigate those really difficult waters is, you know, it must be an absolute honour to be part of that family's um, life journey, that that story that could go on to make a real impact with their lives.
1: So, yeah,
0: yeah, it's fascinating.
1: It wasn't... um... To be honest, when I first started doing this, and when this is when I chose what I wanted to do and what I wanted to focus on, in my kind of niche of coaching, um, and I can't come back to it in a minute. But it's obviously, from my own experiences and things like that, and we'll get to that in a minute. But um, there wasn't, I, there wasn't like a whole host of people I could go and research and um, mirror and look at. There's is quite a, a new space and quite a, a small area um, of coaching that's growing rapidly. Um, I won't lay claim to this, but I'm told this by several solicitors that i work with and partner with. Um, apparently, I'm the only full-time male divorce coach in the UK. Wow! Uh, there are coaches and life coaches, and they do various different things, but apparently, so I'm told, uh, I'm actually the only 100% focused male divorce coach. There are divorce consultants that are men that help you with putting together the finances and finding solicitors and creating a team for you, but they're not actually a coach and they're not trained in the things that i'm trained in so it's um my, my, my niche of one at the moment which i hope to change yeah. um find more
0: yeah to help to help more right if there's one of you you can only do so much you reach the capacity so if there are more of you that are able to do that then you can reach out to more people for this yeah. really beneficial service excellent so i know you touched on it a couple of minutes ago or, or during your last segment but brought
1: you to this so what is, what
0: is it my the, why <laughs> yeah, what's your why what's your purpose well we know what your purpose is but what's it's your why. why
1: yeah absolutely yeah 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 no um like a lot of coaches or even therapists or counselors um and obviously people like yourself as well that get into doing what you do um when you're your business it, it comes from your own experiences and your passions as well so uh this isn't my Britain's Got Talent sob story but my parents separated when I was about three years old. Um, I grew up with my dad and my two sisters and then my later stepmom and three other stepbrothers. And then they had one together. So I grew up in a house of one of seven in this blended family. I mean, it wasn't a blended family in 1986. It wasn't, it wasn't even then. Um, but i kind of gone from that experience from quite a young age. Um, and it was great that as you get older, you start to recognize certain things and... Then it was actually going through my own divorce, my own separation and my own not anymore, that's an old term. Uh, child arrangement order um, for access for my two sons. Um, and it's just through my own experiences of what worked, what didn't, how hard it is. Um, but actually also that it can be done differently. You can do it better. Um, we all can. And what like you were saying a minute ago about enabling empowerment, like, a lot of the things that I work with in terms of like, responsibility, um, accountability, what you can action, what you can control, what you can't, what you do that has an impact. So for me, it was this journey. I was retraining coaching. Um, in all honesty, hand and heart, I was actually retraining coaching to go into um, workplace well-being. Um, I wanted to go in. I, I spent 15 years in the recruitment industry. I wanted to go and change how the recruitment industry churned and burned their staff. So I, and I was... I'd been training and coaching anyway in terms of developing interpersonal skills and how to change the demographic and work with people's communication. But I then started to notice how I was doing things differently in my own divorce and how I was starting to change how I was approaching it and less of this blame game and trying to win at everything and things like that. Um, And just seeing the positive shifts that it started to have. And it was through all the other things that I kind of utilised now, like NLP, linguistic Programme, which I know you you know about something called timeline therapy, hypnotherapy, other cognitive behaviour type treatments. Um, So all psychology-themed, mixed with traditional coaching methods to kind of create a blended, um, mixed coaching sort of thing. And I just noticed that, hold on a minute, I could go and make a load of money out of the recruitment industry and train their staff to be better people um, and the business owners, or I could actually go and help this group of people that are really struggling. Mm. Um, Part and parcel of that was I did have a counsellor when I was going through my divorce, for About nine, ten months. Um, amazing woman. If anyone wants the details, I re- highly recommend her. Uh, that was great and helped me no it and really served a purpose. What it really helped me was a lot of background historical stuff, which was great. Um, what I was, what I personally, my own experience, where I felt I was left with still a lot of questions, is when coaching came in, because. Where coaching is quite different, it's helping the client to learn that they have a lot of the resources, this knowledge, the answers to a lot of their own questions. It's just typically the questions we don't want to even answer yet and ask ourselves. And where I found through training for coaching is where I did a lot of my own self-reflection, my own kind of self-work and looking back, my choices and options. Okay, so what can I do? How can I approach this differently? What support do I need? Who can help me with this? What can I do? what can't i do how could i do it better and it was going through all these kind of processes of training that i realized there's a different way of doing this and there's a lot of people out there that could i know firsthand from friends we all know someone somewhere
0: yeah. Along. oh yeah especially at this stage of our life i don't know about you but you know i've been happily happily together with my with my partner well he's my husband now <laughs> for 16 years we've been married for seven years and it's hard, marriage is really hard, relationships are really hard, they are, but they're also really amazing, you know, so it's that kind of, we, we don't put out that story about, oh yeah, happily married, there's no never no issues, and you know, we never argue,
1: are
0: <laughs> friends and that stuff. Yeah, he's all of that, but actually, sometimes, and I'm sure I speak for him as well, we drive each other absolutely round the, round the twist at times, because it's that whole, you know, that whole good, bad, yin, yang, et etc. cetera. Et cetera. But there is an awful lot of stigma around divorce and there is always a stigma around the breakup um, and actually the realisation that perhaps your your relationship has run its course and it's naturally come to an end. But then there is all sorts of other things involved, marriage, you know, children, uh, mortgages, friendship groups, you know, extended family, all sorts of things that kind of get in on the mix. And therefore it doesn't no longer, it's not no longer about just the two of you in the relationship. There's an awful lot more that is at stake and yet I have heard of of people who whose partners have just up to left you know left them completely and utterly in in the lurch there was no communication there was no anything and the and the things that are left behind as a result of that behavior are devastating and you get together and you're like oh you know how dare he do this or she's done that and you know it's terrible there's so much stigma around divorce and separation and I'm kind of I guess I'm asking when people discuss really painful things it's normally delivered or done those conversations are done hush hush without talking about it too much people don't want to you know everybody to get involved or to hear about it or to take sides etc what kind of stigma is it that you kind of highlight or recognize whilst doing your job what's the stigma barriers that you come up against
1: uh so many like when i was saying about what the type of things i work with whether it's dealing with emotions confidence etc things like that the stigmas are just as varied. Um, I always say to people that whilst a separation or a divorce, I'm just going to say divorce to cover all forms of separation or breakup for future reference. I've always got to them more, but let's just say divorce covers all forms of relationship breakup yeah. for the for future or for this conversation. Um, no uh, no divorce is any of the same. Whilst you might have a foundational level reason, because obviously you still have to give on when you get divorced as well, whether that's infidelity um differences and etc Behaviors that whilst that might be the same, every situation scenario and how we all respond to them is so unique, a like a yeah. snowflake um, that the stigmas that are attained to it are as well so, I don't know, let's say go back to 1986 when my parents separated it was becoming a bit more common but the stigma then was you were probably one of very few children in the classroom who came from this broken home that Oh
0: yes, a broken family, yes
1: yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're broken. I actually know that I've witnessed families who are together that I would deem as broken. Um, and I know many families that are actually the complete opposite of what you would deem as broken and apart. Um, so the stigmas can be so varied. I think more so it's around, this is my opinion, around the kind of society's view and of that stigma. Um, so what it looks like. So, if you go think about any TV program, movie, whatever, it, even people's Instagram posts, for example, um, if you think around that stigma that attains to it, it's typically it's a blame game. She did this, he did that, he left, she's that, whatever. and they took the kids, blah blah blah. They hadn't, and it's about a blame game and association. Actually, that doesn't, that doesn't help anyone kind of move forward. So, a lot of that stigma comes around picking sides where people worried about they're going to lose friends families, what the children are going to think and things like that um, and this whole perception of having a, a, a winner um, I obviously spend a lot of my time working with solicitors because they are part of quite a lot of uh, family lawyers across the country um, and they always say like, no, no, there is no winner in the situation like, and people have a perception that actually it's always the lawyer that wins because they get, they get their money um, which isn't necessarily true um, for me especially the children involved there is only one winner or one loser, and you can't have both. And that ultimately is your children. You, as the parents, get to decide, and you have a choice. It's just, a, and it is a sometimes whether it's a conscious or unconscious choice, and that's part of what we'll do with people. It's a choice, you as the parents, whether you choose that your children become the winners out of this situation, or become the losers. And what values you teach them Whether they are three years old or 25 is irrelevant. What you teach them about they take forward into their future life. And it's not just for their future relationships. Because people say to me sometimes, well, what around the stigma about children, like seeing that mummy and daddy argued and they're going to treat their other partners like that. Okay, well, even before you get to that, how do they treat their friends? How do they treat their teacher? How do they teach their colleagues? Like these are values we are teaching them that they will take into all facets of life. So there's so many different stigmas that's around
0: it. absolutely fascinating. Do you know what, Tom? I never ever thought about that, like as in the children are ultimately the winners or the losers in that. It's That's really powerful. And actually the way in which you've thought about or, or just explained to us about... The responsibility as adults to conduct ourselves in such a manner that our children learn how to conduct every human interaction, every human relationship based upon the things that we do together as a couple and the way in which we communicate with one another. it's it's it's, that's really really powerful and i've had discussions with friends about you know that whole argument you know when you argue my children hate it when we argue but they also see the fact that we do talk about it we're very open and we are they see us make up you know so they see us um, i I apologize or my husband apologize or you know they see how to conduct their relationship because we're very it's only I could do that, do you know what I mean? it's, it's kind of I live and breathe what I what I believe. And so they do see that kind of interpersonal relationship. But again,
1: that's that's a value and a life and a life lesson, part of their values hierarchy, what forms their belief system. I know you and I know about all this science stuff, mm-hmm. but for other people that kind of don't. But even if you think about it in the context for anyone else that's watching this, think about if you've got, let's just say you've got a couple of kids and there's two boys, because boys tend to scrap and fight. I always remember my mum always saying, right. If you and John don't cut it out and we'll bang your heads together and <laughs> and then afterwards it'll be like, right, hug and make up, shake hands, whatever, and we teach our kids to apologize, to forgive, to get that out, take ten have ten seconds, just breathe, count to ten, calm down. All these little things that we teach our children that we then don't replicate as adults when we're separating and divorcing. It's really, it's, that's really one of the biggest challenges, but also one of the biggest rewards when it's working with the couples of communication of helping them actually start to break that train, right? Well, he's done this, or she's done that, and okay, fine. That's their responsibility. You now have a responsibility and a choice of what you choose to do now, and how you react or respond and what you take action for. Mm-hmm. And actually, someone's got to break this, this cycle. Um, and for us, I mean, for sake, I, well, my ex-wife and I were heading towards, we did have a final hearing, child arrangement orders, we had a cat cast involved, that's like the court-appointed, I've had So about as bad as it can get, and you can you have worse situations, situation but it's not really great and it's really horrible um, going through court. That's a lot of what I coach people for, mm-hmm. what to expect. Um, and then about, what, nine, ten months later, um, we shared Boxing Day together um in my new house with both of our new partners and all of the children and it's that experience where the children we had a conscious choice those kids can win or lose and actually what what it what came out and transpired is the kids win because they don't have any affiliations or conflictions to one or another parent or parenting group um they feel that they can talk and approach to any one of us for support or care or whatever it is or with the form of their bite and whatever. Um, it improved their social skills at school. It helped them to manage their emotions more. They learn about apologising when they're in wrong. They think about it like, I have a bit of a bee in my bonnet about when um, parents don't let children go to, let's say, if they're 10 years old or whatever, not going to maybe a, a grandparent's funeral or something like that. We haven't taught the children how to <sighs> grieve
0: sorry talk. and do you know what oh my gosh and I, I the reason I interrupted so I just had a really like moment there man like of, of total and utter realization and preach moment you know that is so that is totally one of my bees and one of my bonnets but it's hard to get that across when people's choices are people's choices right it is yeah my choice funeral before and they were they were young they're 11 and, 10 and 12 now but they've been to funeral a funeral before because it was important for me to make sure that they saw what so that process yeah. of death is mm. and to normalize that
1: you yeah know. we had um i know it's not on the same scale but uh, we here, used to have a, a, a an indoor a live indoor pet rabbit why would we do that i don't know but that's <laughs> a real so lucy lucy died that's the rabbit um lucy died in february march i think it was um so yeah just literally just before lockdown and we buried her in the garden and we had a little ceremony and i mean what the kids were at the time 14 10 9 and 6 7 so um so they all brought a little flower or a little memory or a picture of them holding lucy and things like that and they put them in that. They put them in with Lucy and we buried Lucy and Lucy's buried in the back garden. But it was that process of them learning, understanding that they, this is a cycle. And actually they did need to, they need to release those emotions. They need to talk about it. They need to go through that whole bit of anger, a bit of denial, a bit of bargaining. Well, can we get another rabbit and call it Lucy too? Or whatever it is. But they need to understand to go through that cycle because if they don't, and we don't teach them these values um, and these life lessons, they could be 37, I mean, I only say that because I am, but they could be 37 and their relationship could break down and if they've never been, never experienced or dealt with heartbreak or loss or grief, or they're not going to be sufficient to, to, to deal with this and it's going to spiral and make things worse. So in actual fact, it's all about, you asked me about what I do, re-education, that is essentially what I do. Um, it's helping people to re-educate that things can be done differently.
0: You're listening to It Is What It Is, the podcast. We hope you're enjoying this episode as we strive to bring you interesting conversations about the things that really matter. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe. But for now, let's get back to that conversation. How can couples face divorce amicably? Now, I know that that's a really loaded question. (laughs) It's a really loaded question because of the fact that there are, I would imagine, a number of reasons why couples may divorce. Right. So I get that. And you've mentioned already about the reason why you are doing what you do is to make that happen, that question happen, to be able to turn it from um, that pain, that blame, into doing something where both parties come out of it as, not as unscathed, because I think that that's unrealistic, but as undamaged as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, So when, I suppose, when you're in a relationship how can you approach that conversation amicably before it reaches breaking point? Does that make sense? Like, does it always have to be this massive, that's it? It's because of something really, I mean, like, how can you, how can you broach that subject without there being a catastrophe?
1: Yeah. Again, it's kind of um, circumstantial because it does depend on, the events that lead to so I'll give you a real life example and I never shy away from this because it's in my own podcast and the world knows it you can go to the courthouse and get my divorce papers and find out but my divorce on my divorce papers uh, the reason for my divorce is infidelity mine so I, yes I, I had an affair so I don't want to swear at like 10 o'clock in the morning on your <laughs> podcast but everybody else that might be watching this now would be like oh he's the bastard yes. um and yeah I was I completely disrespected apart from my children, the most important person that was in my world, um, or should have been. That was the catalyst to, or the trigger of the divorce and the end of the relationship. A lot of what I'll do with people is also working with them around cause and effect. And again, this isn't about blame. It's not about blame, but it's just understanding events that led to. So if you can work with your partner to communicate in a way that you can both understand what led to this event, you still might be able to fix it. You might not. So if it is because, let's say, someone had an affair, um, but why? What's the reason behind that? No one who, regardless of whether they're really happy in a relationship, but no one that's even, let's just say, mildly above content in a relationship, goes to bed on Monday night mildly content, and then wakes up Tuesday morning and goes, I'm leaving for her. Mm. Doesn't happen. There is a build-up to that, and that could be a whole motion of things of that person didn't feel they were loved in the way they wanted to be, they didn't have the affection or whatever, a whole host of different things. But helping people kind of broach that in the first instance is really understand what their why is, what is it that they're missing. So that's where sometimes I have had clients that have been able to kind of work things out yeah. um, and I actually see that through. So it's not just about I only coach people to divorce, yeah. it's people to get back together. But... A lot around helping people to broach that initial discussion as well is, again, the communication part is how they approach it in a solution, and opportunity-based thing uh, or or discussion. The other part is getting people to be honest as well, because if you're not, and I'll say this to clients when they're working with me, in their discovery call, I always do a 45, 60-minute free consultation. What's going on? What do you want? Why do you need a coach? And within that, I'll always say to them, and much the same as they need to with their their partner or seem to be ex-partner. In a way, you kind of have to be a bit brutally honest, not horribly, but you have to be extremely honest, warts and all, because otherwise you don't get anywhere.
0: And Um, it's your point of view as well, right, which is valid. And your feelings and emotions are valid, regardless of whether or not they are painful or aimed at anybody. You can only feel what you feel. And I think sometimes people might hold back on explaining how they feel, because of the way in which perhaps the other person may take that. Or it could have been a behavior that's been taking part in their marriage wholeheartedly. So therefore perhaps somebody's built up an idea that they can't speak to their partner because of historic ins and outs. And I mean, my husband and I have have, have had marriage counseling before and people go, oh my God, I thought you two were really solid and we're like we are and the reason why we are really solid actually is because we go to marriage counselling or we have had marriage counselling before um and it's interesting because I remember our our, our, I think it was our second session and the council was like you guys have not got a problem like seriously (laughs) all you need to do is just be a little bit more honest with one another and give each other a bit bit more space I mean that was literally her words it was hilarious because him and I were kind of sitting there hand in hand um, laughing at the fact that we have gone to this marriage counselling, and she really does not see that there's a problem, even though for us it was this really big deal, and she's like, no, no, because the fact that you're talking about it, and she can see our dialogue and our, our, our interaction was very healthy and kind of didn't tell us anything we didn't already know, we just needed to give each other a bit more space yeah, practice yeah. those skills and i find it interesting because even when i talk about marriage counseling people go oh my god danielle i didn't realize i didn't and i'm like what do you mean? are we not finished you know, we've, we've been through marriage counseling in order to help one another communicate better and to hear yeah. one another better because we've built up 16 years of a uh, of a relationship where both of us have traits from our personalities that come into that and some of them
1: aren't helpful but, but you've also evolved haven't you because you've also evolved yeah. and changed the things, that you, the things that you wear change, the things that you eat change, the kind yeah, of friends know. sometimes that you have change. Your interest might change. I don't particularly like gardening. I imagine when I'm 65, it's probably all I'll do. Okay. But again, you evolve, don't you? Okay. Um, it's funny you say that because a lot of... If I'm working with a client who's saying that, look, I don't really know how to do this, how to approach this and things like that, I'd always say to him, "Right, like, how to get to your why and then how to explain your why and where you're, why you're at your why now is also kind of entering the discussion with the, like I say, solutions or opportunity kind of based and choice based questions is more around the, the what's, the when's, the where's, the how's, the who's, etc. Because actually that opens up more open questions. It's more informative and that's where the solutions and the insights lie, not the why. The why brings a finite closed yes or no answer or blame or whatever it might be. So it's more around that this is how I'm feeling is these are the reasons that have led to that And What can we do about that? I'll give you a really simple example. And like you, uh, my partner and I, um, we, have a, we have a very honest, um, brutally honest relationship. And about, where are we now? 18th of November. So this was about two months ago. Like everybody else in the world, we've been stuck indoors. Um, my study and my coaching area is half of our bedroom. So the wardrobe and bed are over there. And this is my chair and my desk. Um, and she works in the living room. Um And about two months ago, we had a conversation where we said, look, we're basically coexisting. Like, I don't get to miss you. I I, I I, don't say this lightly, like, I, I don't miss you. <laughs> and I used to look forward to missing you. I used to really want to spend all my time with you. But then when we do, we don't sit down at night and have a conversation about how was your day, what you get up to, blah, blah, blah. Um, Good points, bad points, and that because we have these snippets, like every hour or hour and a half, where I go and make a tea or whatever, and I'm passing ships on the stairs, sort of thing. I'm like, how you doing? Yeah, and like, hey, do yeah, I have got another call, right see you later. But and you get these ten minutes, sort of thing. And I said, I don't get to miss you. Um, we said, right, well, how do we approach this? What can we do differently? Her company are based in central London. Um, I was able to start going out and start to meet clients again face to face. So she said, well there's loads of stuff that I need sorted out in the office and I don't want to send my team in she said how about Mondays and Tuesdays I go to the office in central London Wednesdays you make your client um, or lawyer meeting day um, when you're out of the house and in that way we've only got Thursday and Friday at home together just for the weekend we've got three weeks of that and it was brilliant <laughs> and then lockdown 2.0 started <laughs> 2.0 or 1.3 my husband and I well, my, po- my point being that we broke the conversation ago, to be honest with you children and say look this is affecting our relationships, affecting how we communicate, affecting the time that we spend together or lack thereof. What can we do? So, all right, for everybody else, maybe their partner doesn't work in London and they didn't want to go out and meet other people. Or they're shielding or whatever. OK, I get that. I'm not saying copy what we did. But what I'm saying is, OK, we'll look at how, how can we approach this differently. What can we both do to assist the other one? how mm. could we create an environment where we do get some space so that we get to miss each other and then we do get to come back yeah
0: see that's it's lovely isn't it like that whole g- kind of going down to the really basics as to why you're together in the first place because of that love you know that that, that love that you have and that interest that you have with one another and you're right sometimes that can by having too much of a good thing you don't get to realize <laughs> what you've kind of got right and actually that swings us brilliantly around to our next kind of point which is lockdown and separation so I know that I've been working in an area at the moment dealing with an awful lot of fallout for mental health challenges one of those is lockdown and the effect on couples and the effect on people's mental health and the effect on family dynamics etc and there's a lot of information statistics data out there that's obviously explaining that there are people who are having a hell of a lot of a worse time during lockdown than the others the more privileged you are, the better your lockdown is going to be. And as a privileged woman, and I'm privileged because I have a house that's big enough with a garden and I've got outside space and we've got rooms where we can all go and be completely separate if we want to, and I've got a working kitchen and I've got bathrooms and I've got running water and I get on really well with my family, right? So we're, we're all right, we are we are privileged and I, I do appreciate that and, and really do um, appreciate how, how privileged and blessed we are. But I'm also inherently aware that there are people who do not have that privilege. They do not have that opportunity the same way that my family does. I know that there are people out there who are in the middle of separating or who are having really tough times at home and lockdown is just making that 10 times worse. Yeah. So what are you seeing, if anything, um, in terms of your clients, perhaps, that's taking place now in lockdown that is specific to this time, perhaps that wasn't before lockdown? Yeah.
1: Uh, unfortunately one of the worst things that I see coming out of this is and you've probably have seen this, most people would have is the really scary rising statistics well, a number of them, particularly around um, people uh, in abusive relationships uh, not just necessarily physical but emotional verbal, economic, that's a new one economic abuse, I never even thought about that until about a year ago um, people that are struggling in a stuck situation, um, that can't really see them through the trees, they can't, how do I get out? Where do I go? I don't have that, So I don't have the money, I don't have the resources, I don't the family. Um, okay, so it's then really working with them to try and figure out what support they can have and can gain access to. Um, and Whether that's me doing some work with them signposting to particular places and things like that, so that's one of the other scary things. Um, the other scary statistics, and I say this quite biasly, being man because I've written an article about it recently, it should be posted this week. Um, it's entitled The Mandemic, Men in Divorce. Um, uh, and it's also it's around the scary statistics around men's mental health in particular, because we don't talk typically. Um, and the other scary statistics that come along with that, and particularly with suicide rates in men between ages of about like 20 and fifty. Those are some of the worst things that I'm, that I'm witnessing. And. Um, And I think uh, a lot of this, and it's in this article, this pandemic article, a lot of it, it comes back to the work that you and I do in helping people to start to talk, rather than bottling this up, assuming something's going to change, assuming the universe is going to get better or their world is going to change, hoping for that moment. And whilst that hope and faith is great and you're going to need that, it's also figuring it out um, and knowing where to turn to for that. for for that support resource as well so i always say to people that when you regardless of lockdown or not um when you're separating or whatever uh we do turn to our nearest and dearest don't we our loved ones our friends our family it's one of those really crappy times in life when we need to be operating from a strength uh operating from a place of strength Ultimately, we'll come from a place of weakness regardless of who chose this decision um all too often one of the other things I see and it's becoming more prevalent in lockdown because our restrictions around who we can go where we can go etc and interact with not necessarily our family and friends are always necessarily the best or the most positive solutions to go to because and I say that where you have someone that's going right well he's done this or she's done that so take the house take the kids take the car again going back to even just the winning and the losing child well, how do you want that environment to be when your kid, even if it's every other weekend, one weekend a month, what sort of environment do you want your kid going to when they go to the other parents? Do you want them going to a great little bedsit on the wrong side of town? Mm-hmm. Or do you want them to have two homes and to have clean clothes, toys, somewhere to do their homework, etc.? cetera? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, lockdown has created a, a, a lot of other issues around that. One thing that it also has created, it's not all negative, I actually had, um, again, I wrote an article for a parenting publication in about April or May, and it was around um, communication uh, and communication lockdown. And I actually had a had a couple come to me who said, we completely recognised the whole family demographic has changed. Mum used to do, I think she used to work in the city for me, mum used to leave at 6.30 in the morning, get home at 8, 9 o'clock at night. Um, Dad worked part-time for the NHS and did the school run and went to Aldis and all that sort of stuff. Um, like that, with lockdown kicking in the first time around, their whole family shifted. Mum was furloughed and at home with three kids, homeschooling. I that, was, that was not homeschooling. That was yeah, not none cool. of us were. And dad went from doing a 20 hour week to doing an 18 hour day, seven days a week. Wow. And like, completely, the whole world just shifted. Um, fortunately, they came to us and said, look, we do not want to go down the path of uh, divorce separation. Um, but we recognize we need to find a new way to communicate not just communicate, we need to find a new way to compromise and to help each other because we're taking on these new roles and these new jobs. We also need to help the kids understand what this why this change has come about, how we work with it, etc. So it's not all kind of doom and gloom. but um, again the whole point of view, it all comes back to how we communicate and oh, how we be
0: absolutely and I always tell people, you know, the 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 main problem with communication or the breakdown of communicate the breakdown of relationships any relationship is that piece of communication that's lost and having the confidence and the ability to be able to share your truth, no matter how painful that may be, is the ability to, to, to take that truth forward in whatever capacity that looks like, and, you know, in terms of in, the enabling empowerment for me. Giving people the confidence to have conversations around difficult subjects is the first step, you know, is the first step to kind of explain to people that it's okay. I mean, our our podcast is going to be on all things difficult to talk about (laughs) because I think it's important that people hear that they're not alone. It's not just them. And there is a solution. There is, you know, perhaps hope on the other side of that, no matter how bad it might be feeling right now, uh, because we do know the statistics for serious mental health challenges are taking place, and you hear it all the time now. You know, it, it's everything. It's on the agenda for everything. Everyone's talking about people's mental health and how it's important to talk. And I do genuinely believe that it's important to talk, but it's important to talk about everything, not just the good stuff or how to maintain the good stuff. It's about, you know, divorce is, for some people, a natural ending to a relationship. And it doesn't need to be really bad. It's the end of a relationship as it was, but it doesn't need to be the end of the world.
1: It can also be the start of a new relationship. Absolutely, yes. So, in my example, um, I think you know this, um, and now the wider world's going to know this, but... um, my ex-wife's boyfriend, um, they've been together for, what, about three years or something? My, yeah, my ex-wife's boyfriend is my girlfriend's ex-husband. <laughs> yeah.
0: Wow, no, I didn't know that. No, thank I you. you no, I didn't.
1: <laughs> so in that scenario, we've got four adults. There's not one of them is an outside, an outside perspective of, whoa, oh, hold on, think about this, don't do that, etc we've all got this huge emotional investment in all this melting pot of four kids. So for us, it was paramount. Just imagine how hard that's gonna be, especially for four kids, going between two houses, the the situations they would be put in if we weren't to work at this. And we didn't Um, do it right, that's right. And we went, like I said, we ended up having like that boxing day. And again, it is about breaking that cycle. So whilst communication is, is king, um, and that starts the process. The next part, especially about your point about enabling empowerment, um, and I, I'm not, I have a thing on my LinkedIn, like responsibility enabler or something yeah, really yeah. cheesy like that. <laughs> from the communication, brilliant. Now you're understanding it. Now you've got some choices. What are you going to action? Mm. What do you do? What's the first step?
0: Mm.
1: Now we've got it and we've figured it all out and we've got a blueprint. Where do you go from here? What are you actually going to do? And as simple as, I think it was our kind of, let's say, first break of the chain or changing the cycle was one day um, Dan, um, so my partner's ex-husband or ex wife boyfriend, um, he was dropping off, my two boys were already here. Um, I'd already pick them up or mum were dropping off and he was dropping off his two. Um, and I can't remember what it was, he was having a bit of a bad time at work or something and he didn't look, very, didn't look particularly great. And I said, I said to Donna, I said to my half, I, oh, I said, just go, go and invite me in. Just tell him to come for dinner. I've cooked, I think it was cottage pie or something. And I, when I cook, I cook way too much. Only because I never used to cook. I had to learn to cook a year ago, well, a couple of years ago. Um, so I said, look, just go and invite me in for dinner. And I was like, just tell him to come. Just don't even give him a choice. Tell him he's coming in. She went out, she's like, Dan, do you want to come in for dinner? I was like, no, 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 it'd be weird. And I remember categorically word for word, like verbatim, she was like, it only has to be weird if you make it weird. Amen. Pump the truck. Pump, go and pump, because you've got to pick up. So she said, pump the truck and come in. She's like, only you can make this weird. It doesn't have to be weird unless you make it. We won't. And he came in and, bearing in mind, obviously, I'm with his ex-wife, that he did him. I know that he's with my ex-wife. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, oh, it's a bit awkward. And <it> he <laughs> came in the door. In the room, right? Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, so why not point it out? Why not deal with it? And face it head-on, in the right way. Um, and it was about communication and action. And that mm-hmm. communication and the action was actually personified in one thing. It was a handshake. Dan, mm-hmm. uh, come here, mate. Do you want a cup of tea? How you doing? What's going on? Can we help? Mm-hmm. And then uh, he was, it's completely off topic, but it kind of goes to show the kind of environment it creates for the children. He was moving house, wanting to move house. And it was, him, it was his and his old house. She's going to kill me for telling you all this, by the way. So <laughs> I, should signed, I should have got to sign her NDA first.
0: <laughs> Get her to sign.
1: <laughs> but, um, we helped like, the odd couple of weekends when we didn't have anything, go and help him paint the house. So he, when he was getting it on the market, uh, he and I put up um, a fence around my ex-wife's um, front garden in February when the wind blew. This is but amazing. It seemed, know, but it's simple it things like that. And I have people say to me, well, I could never do that. Well, when did you decide you couldn't do that? Why? Who told you? you It goes back to the stigma piece. And
0: I think it goes back to the stigma where you're not supposed to get on with your exes. You know, I remember saying to my friends before, you know, how can you be friends with your exes? That's weird. And she's like, well, you know, because, and they didn't have children together. They just happened to understand and appreciate that there was a relationship outside of their actual relationship that was worth keeping. And I kind of never sat, all right with me because it's not what you do it's not so what society says is is what you do and I think by sharing your story thank you Donna. um <laughs> by sharing your story you're helping people to understand that there is an alternative and I think that's a really powerful um example as to how it can be and mm-hmm. That's hopeful, and I, you know, I love that. I think it's an absolutely that's,
1: that's what I love about doing things like this. Mm-hmm. And, um, not to plug my own thing, but I have started, I think I told you I started doing no, that
0: actually that's that us to the last bit because we are wrapping up, Tom. So, tell us a little <laughs> bit about yourself, what you're doing, where people can find you, and you know, how they can actually get in touch with you for support. And the reason why I say this, because I, like I said before, I, I'm 41 and I'm getting to the stage where. Some people that I know are going through difficult relationships, and their relationships may be coming to a natural end, and it's painful and it's it's awful to watch. Even though I am from that, from that, well, you know, it, it, I know there's no blame from me, definitely not. Especially with the work I do, I just don't have that in me anymore. You know, it's it's my my mindset's completely changed. So there is no blame, and I often say there's two sides to every story, and you do, you know, we can't appreciate what that must be feeling like for that person, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I am that but I'm, you know, I do hear that people are struggling and how can people get in touch with you? And at which point? And the reason I say that is because if the relationship has come to an end, but somebody's still struggling, for example, about the whole, you know, PTSD, for example, I say, and I'm not diagnosing people, but post-traumatic stress disorder or acute stress disorder can come very, very easily in the terms I'm not, I I do not diagnose, but I'm talking about the signs and symptoms of, um, you know, that kind of behavior how can can people still see you after the event for example that there's things that they still
1: need to yeah, get yeah. Through? no absolutely um very well i'll give you a couple of examples the, the couple that contacted me in lockdown saying our oh, family, dy- family dynamic has shifted um we don't want to separate so i've had people come to us going we don't want to um i've had people come to me that have said I- i've made the decision i've made the choice I need to know how to approach it what's the best way to go about this um i've had um individuals as well as couples come to us um a couple of couples have come to us that have said we have already decided that we actually want to separate but we want to do it in the right way and we don't want to go down that game path we want to do it the right way the fact they're already thinking that they're already they're already on that path they just need a little bit of assistance so and, and that's usually a pretty quick few sessions <laughs> um I've also dealt with and have a number of people, um, particularly gentlemen actually, uh, where it's been a couple of years after. So I've got one gentleman in particular who was about eight, nine years or so post divorce. Finances had been done. They'd always kind of shared the childcare to some form of a degree. The kids were now like late teenage to kind of student age. Um, and he had, it was about eight, nine years post divorce. Him and his wife had actually was pretty much gone, quite amicable to a degree, um, more or less. And there was a particular trigger for him, which I won't mention, and i confidential, but he had a trigger and it set him off and it just realised there was a whole host of stuff he'd never really dealt with. Um, and it is now impacting his current relationship. Yeah. So I've had people in the past. However, that said, unfortunately, the bulk of it is when people are, are in the thick of it, when they're in the throes of the he said, she said. Mm. Um, they're doing this, they've done that. Um, and it's usually when people can't really... I use the phrase a million times a day, when they can't see the roof of the trees, Um, and it's trying to figure it all out. Um, And that's usually when people are still very much in that anger Mm -hmm. stage, um, or the guilt, a very heavy guilt stage. Um, I have quite a few clients that come to me because they were actually the party that called time in a relationship. I think, again, the stigma of society, not to go back a few questions, but the world seems to have this view of, if you're the person that ends in a relationship, regardless of the reasons, that you ride off into the sunset on a unicorn like it's not true like those people are still going through their own almost mm-hmm. their own stuff um mm-hmm. and do anything So say it's yeah there's a whole host of different people that we deal with it, different scenarios different situations i've had um some people say to us before we do like a lot of family work like co-parenting so i help people that are post-divorce but maybe some of the relationship communication is broken down around how to co-parent and interact with each other for the best with the children um, people that come to us around blended families because I grew up in one and I have one so I have two kids and two step kids, both kids so how do we approach that situation one with my current partner as well as with my ex and with all the children and how do we engage everybody and make them feel involved and um, how do I make sure that my stepchildren don't feel like I'm trying to replace someone and things like that uh, so yeah a whole multitude of, of situations and at very different stages
0: um excellent okay so where can we find tom give everybody your details um you,
1: yeah um i don't know if you can, you're gonna have it on the bottom of the screen and i don't know if it fills it out but my um you can read my website is uh i'll spell that because it's an awkward one. m-e-l-i-o-r minds m-i-n-d-s.co.uk uh so my email is simply tom at meliorminds.co.uk um if you're a little bit more savvy with your social media um there's a facebook page funny enough at millie Minds. um my linkedin which is just tom nash you'll be able to find me and put tom nash divorce coach you'll be able to find me uh well lastly if you're really really young and technical savvy um you can find me on instagram because my my stepdaughter got me on there um and uh but my handle for instagram is at mr divorce coach uk
0: excellent there you go so go find him go find out more about what it is that this man does and how he can support us by having conversations that we don't normally have Tom it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today I've learned things um thank you for sharing your story thank you for sharing your insight and your expertise and I wish you the world of luck with building your empire to help more people and that's what I love you know about the fact that. It's designed to be able to empower others um, by doing the work that you do so well. So thank you very much. Thanks for coming, Tom.
1: You've been listening to the It Is What It Is podcast presented by Danielle Bridge and produced by Defresh Productions.